All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Providence POV and Happy Feast Week. This is Joe Howie. I'm with Peter DiBiase. The title of this week's episode is No Excuses, coming out of the Friars' one-in-one weekend in Baja Mar as a part of the Baja Mar Hoops Bahamas Championship. I'm getting better at saying that, Peter. Um, <laughs> the No Excuses comes straight from the horse's mouth. Kim English, when he addressed the press after Sunday's win over Georgia, said that there's no excuses for this weekend, regardless of point guard situation, uh, some players with poor shooting, foul trouble, etc., I love it. He's all business. No excuses. The Friars leave the Bahamas one and one, falling to Kansas State on Friday and beating Georgia on Sunday. Peter, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We talked about Joe. We talked about last week on our preview episode for I guess the the tournament, the weekend tournament that we had to be one and one, right? Like yep. there was no if and or buts. We had to walk it out of that tournament and us talking about it on Monday night about us being one and one and we did that we were one and one it does feel like we kind of left some things on the table especially in that friday's game in the over three point overtime loss to kansas state but one and one no bad loss on the resume you're four and one on the season heading into a couple games that look more favorable for the Friars. i would say it was a solid overall a solid weekend yeah, um, obviously you'd really like the win over Kansas State. I think that's a resume-building win, um, but it's not necessarily a win that – a loss, excuse me, that in March the selection committee is going to penalize you for, you know? That's a that's a tournament team right there, and that felt, like we said off-air, a 7-10 matchup with Kansas State being a 10 seed and the Friars being a 7 seed. Um, I mean, obviously you hate the way that the game ended, and we, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but um, – no excuses, like Kim English said. Even down our, our starting point guard, Providence was still very much so in the game, even with as poor of a shooting night as we had. Um, so really, you know, it, it was a, a grueling uh, team loss, if you will, but um, not one to really hang your head over. No, 100%, right? Like, obviously focusing more on the Kansas State game, the more that kind of, I guess, reached the headlines more than the Georgia game on Sunday. But, look, you lose by three in OT. That game was for the taking. I don't know. It was in the first half, John. Obviously, you remember this, but it was about 16-11, right? And then they showed a graphic. Kansas State went on this four-minute stretch, around the three, four-minute stretch where they didn't score, right? And they mm-hmm. had, you know, they started the clock. Zero points in this amount of time, right? But then I was looking at it. I was like, well, we're not scoring anyway at all either. So we're up 16-11. Kansas State's struggling. And then, we're, and then we're struggling with them, right? It was one of those, like, we had the game for the taking in the first half to kind of take a little bit more control, and we kind of ended up just kind of playing par with them. And then they kind of came back. They took the lead at half. And, look, you shoot 35% from the field, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games, right? Like, nope. it's just really tough. You're also shooting 22% from three, five for 22 in that game. You're not going to win a lot of basketball games. The fact that they were in it, and that they had a chance, obviously, in the end of regu- regulation with Devin Carter to win the game, that which is, is surprising. And then they had a chance in OT. Obviously, three points is a little closer than it actually kind of was in overtime. Uh, Kansas State kind of controlled, I would say, the most part of that overtime. But, like, we had a chance to win it in regulation. Obviously, we didn't get the foul call we wanted or Devin Carter didn't kick it. Whatever way you want to be on it, we didn't execute, I guess. And... Look, you lose by three. It's just the biggest thing is like the sh- lack of shooting, right? Like 
we we're gonna we and we talked about this, Joe. We're gonna shoot a lot of threes. I think Friars Friars fans, and I was talking to my dad about this, who went to Providence, big Providence fan. I'm like, Dad, we're gonna you're gonna get used to us shooting a ton of threes. It's gonna yep. happen. Like it's not going anywhere. So get used to it. The problem is, if we're going five for twenty two with twenty two percent from downtown, we're gonna lose games because of that. Well, right, and this is something that you and I said on on our previous episode is that. There are going to be times when you and I come on here and we're going to be floored because of live by the free, live by the three, die by the three. And on Friday night, it was die by the free, the three. Jeez, I keep saying, <laughs> I, I keep thinking free throws because I'm that's on my mind too. But yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I think everything you said is spot on, Peter. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, are really upset about the officiating at the end of the game. I think specifically, um when the Friars had the ball with the last possession in regulation, Devin Carter drove to the hoop and Will McNair gave him a lot of body. I don't play college basketball and I don't officiate college basketball, but if you look at the size of Will McNair and the size of Devin Carter and the side angle shot of how much body he's giving Devin Carter on the layup, that's a tough shot to make, but that's a tough no call. Um, and then even in overtime uh, on one of Kansas State's inbound plays, Devin Carter just got full-blown pushed to the floor. And on the replay, you you see the Kansas State player, I forget who it is, just completely extend his arms out. So there were a couple of bad no calls there. I don't know if those sway the game. Well, actually, the, the one at the end of regulation absolutely would have swayed the game. But nevertheless, I digress. A lot of bad no calls. Um but at the end of the day, like Kim English said, there's no excuses, right? If Providence makes all of their free throws, then the no calls don't really matter because we're ahead anyway and ahead comfortably. Um, but I think what kept us in this game, in the Kansas the Kansas State game specifically, is uh, Providence's defense. And I'm going to credit Ryan Cassidy. He's a fan of the show, um, a fellow writer for House Enterprise. He tweeted out that Providence has held each of its opponents to under 70 points in regulation. I think it's 70 points. I have to find the tweet, but that's really good. That's yeah. so far. Our defense is what we can hang our cap on this season. Yeah. And obviously Kansas state got the 73, but that was the overtime. So the regulation, they scored 16 points in overtime. I think the Friars defensively are they're great. And it's one of those things that I think we're going to be more of a defensive team. And I don't know, maybe if Kim English expected that heading into the year, but obviously you have, Devin Carter, who can defend. You have Ticket Gaines, who can defend. Coy Floyd, uh, Garway Duol can defend. Adoro is pretty good down well. Like you have three or four defenders out there. Uh, but if you look back to Kansas State game, right? Like, and I know we were going to talk about this, but like the lack of shooting and the lack of Bryce Hopkins, right? Like two for 15 from the field, uh, 0 for 4 from downtown, 6 for 8 from the free throw line, which was good. It was just for Hopkins, it was one of those games where nothing seemed easy for him. And I feel like, John, answer me this. Do you think he's pressing? Like, is that a fair, fair, like, assumption or a question to ask about Bryce Hopkins? Because I think we kind of saw that. We saw that time for time in the Georgia game, but it was a little better, I would say. But I think we definitely saw that in the Kansas State game. I, at the beginning of the season, yes, I did think that Hopkins was pressing. Um I just think his he is still adjusting to the style of play. And again, that's not really his fault. That's not really English's fault. It's kind of just 
it it's a reality, right? Mm-hmm. Devin Carter can adjust to high volume shooting because of the type of player that he is, right? Um, by comparison, Devin Carter can take 16 shots a game and still score in double figures and, you know, have a couple of steals and seven rebounds because Devin Carter is a quick athlete who's light on his feet and super athletic. That's not to say that Bryce Hopkins isn't, but Bryce Hopkins is a different type of player. Last season, Bryce Hopkins' bread and butter was taking his defenders to the cup, getting fouled, going to the stripe, uh, you know, being nifty around the basket, light on his feet. Like Hopkins wasn't much of a shooter last season with respect to jump shooting. And I think the way that Kim English's offense flows now requires Hopkins to be more of a, a spot up shooter or a pull up shooter, which isn't his uh, forte. Um, so to, long-winded answer, I think yes, to a degree he is pushing. Um, but I, I think that the style of the offense is also affecting his ability to play. And now let's keep in mind here, in a nutshell, in a, in a silo, this Kansas State game, Hopkins had a terrible night, a, a terrible shooting night, but he still put up a double-double. And I think that just speaks to the the athleticism of the kid and the raw talent that he has, that even on an off night, he's logging a double-double. Mm-hmm. So. I think, you know, we keep saying this, and I think a lot of the Friar fan base agrees that once he starts clicking on all cylinders, watch out because this team is going to be lethal. Yeah, I'm not trying to obviously criticize Bryce Hopkins, but like two for 15 from from the field is obviously a terrible number. Like, it's just not what you want from one of your key players. But look, he was still good on the rebounds offensively and defensively uh, for rebounding. But I'm not saying we lost because of him. I'm not putting the loss on him. Obviously, he's one of the factors in it, but it's just, I just thought he was a little, it was like his legs were moving too fast for his, his dribble. Like it was one of those things where obviously nothing was falling from the field. He was struggling making laps. And I thought as a whole in that Kansas State game, and this is not just Bryce Hopkins, we were atrocious making laps. Oh, yeah. It was not just Bryce Hopkins. It was probably everybody on the court outside of Jaden Pierre who played four minutes. It was uh, just an atrocious layup night. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to say. Like it's just we couldn't make layups. Like we couldn't do the easy stuff against Kansas State, and it came back and it hurt us because if you think about it, you make two more layups, we win the game. I I know that's a hypothetical, but if we weren't so poor around the rim, it, it this is a different different type of game. I just think like the lack of shooting from up and down the starters in that game. Uh, like Tiki Gaines was three for eight. He was better. And then obviously he struggled mightily against Georgia uh, scoring wise. But like Hopkins, two for 15. Garway was three for nine. Garway had an open three uh, under a minute left in regulation to take the lead. And he misses it. Like that's a big three. I'm not obviously it's a huge shot for a freshman. Uh, but obviously he missed it, right? Like it's just, it was just a lack of shooting from, like, I would say top to bottom, uh, which was kind of, it was interesting, but Kansas State didn't shoot the ball well either. No, they shot thirty six percent from the field, but they shot thirty six. They made three. We each took twenty two threes. They made three more. They made eight total. We made five, and kind of the difference there. No, you're you're totally right. This wasn't uh, by any stretch of the imagination a pretty game on either side, and I think that's why there's so many ties, so many lead changes, right? Because Providence yeah. and Kansas State played a gross, physical, ugly basketball game on Friday night. Um, 
And sometimes that's fun to watch, right? It is the physicality, you know, the guys are getting into it. Both fan bases really showed out well. Uh, shout out to the Friar Faithful that made it down to the Bahamas. Um, it, it was it was a, a gritty game. Um, but again, I, and I'm going to keep coming back to this theme because I just, I, I love the straightforwardness uh, of Kim English in the press conferences, right? No excuses, right? As, as sloppy as Providence was with the basketball, as poorly as the team shot, opportunity was there. And for me, it comes from the free throw line. 17 for 24. You left seven points at the charity stripe and you lost the game by three. You make four more free throws and you win. So again, obviously it's not that cut and dry. There's situational, uh, everything situationally based, but um, it, to me, it's like the fundamentals, right? Like I focus on the fundamentals, shooting, defense, free throws. Uh, and to me, free throws w- was a, a glaring thing here, especially in a tight game like this, right? If Kansas State blows the doors off you, all right. But in a game that's decided by one possession at the end of the day, oof. yeah, it yeah, it was like I think because that's why like I kind of overall overall said it was a solid weekend because I feel like we left, and I know we did. We left a lot of things on the table on Friday, and look. Some of it translated to Sunday. Look, I don't think this offense as a whole is where we want it to be or where we need it to be, right? Like, I think, look, you scored 70 points on Friday against Kansas State. You scored 71 against Georgia, right? Like, it's not terrible. It just, this offense has gone through stretches this year of handful of minutes where they look lost. Uh, There's no flow on offense. I think we struggled with that on Sunday more than we did on Friday. And obviously, we can attest to that being lack of point guard. Uh, situation yep. Friday with Pierre out, and then obviously Sunday with no point guard whatsoever. Uh, but look, Friday was one of those games where it was for the taking, right? Like you had a chance to win, but Kansas State can say the same exact thing, and they took it, right? Like Kansas yep. State, if they lost, they would say the same exact thing. Like we had a chance to win the game. We didn't do a couple things. Like it was one of those games where it was so close. It was just a couple small things. And look, we didn't make a couple more shots, a couple more free throws. Uh, I don't even know how many turnovers you had. I'm going to pull that up right now, but we, what do we have turnover? Do we, we had, we had 15, 15. So we won the turnover, turnover battle. Uh, it's not football, but it's, we won the turnover battle. We had 15 turnovers. They had 20, but like we didn't do some of the fundamental things. Right. I just thought we, once Pierre went out and it was early on, Pierre went out. Yeah. It took a little while for the offense to get going. And I don't know if they ever fully got into rhythm enough. And then obviously having I know I know Carter had 19 points, right? He still shot six for 16 from the field. Not terrible, not great. But when you have Hopkins, your star player going for two for 15, I'm not saying it's all on him. It's it, it's a little gut-wrenching because you don't yeah. expect that. Like he was, I'm gonna be honest with you, like his shooting performance was abysmal, right? All he needed to do was kind of be like an average shooter. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to put it all on him, but no. two for 15 kind of – it kind of puts your team in a little bit of a – makes your team take a little bit of a step back and puts them in a bind when your star player goes two for 15. Right. Well, th- this is what I wrote about in my uh, Providence uh, preseason preview for House Enterprise is that as this team – as Bryce Hopkins goes, so does this team. Um, and I, I think, you know, Friday evening is – case in point of that um 
And to to comment on Devin Carter, it's like what we said after the Wisconsin post game. Um, AJ Store took yeah. nineteen shots. You sure as hell if you're taking nineteen shots, should score in double figures. The same goes for Devin Carter. If you're taking sixteen shots, you, you better be scoring in double figures. Um, but to your point about the offense, Peter, I think you're right. That this offense has been hot and cold at points during the season, um, and I think this weekend specifically. Um, you know, we looked vulnerable offensively without Jaden Pierre. Uh, and listen, he doesn't solve the turnover problem. Taking care of the basketball has been an issue for us since opening night, but he solves a lot of the problems with flow. Um, and, you know, give credit to Garway Duel uh, for 99% of his time on the floor. He made a really positive impact on the game. Um, Obviously, the 1% being the retaliation punch against the Kansas State player who suckered him in the throat. Uh, I don't care how much of, of a cheap shot kick to the balls that is. Explicit content coming on the on the, on this episode. I don't care how much of a cheap shot that is. You do not retaliate whatsoever. No, because the second you swing, you're, that one, that's a suspension. Two, it completely negates any chance of Providence getting technical free throws and a possession out of that. So, I mean, that's a freshman mistake. I understand it's out of anger, but by no means is that acceptable. No, I agree. Uh, obviously, both didn't play, or obviously the Kansas State player didn't play in his, the game against Miami on Sunday, and obviously Garwood Duell didn't play against Georgia because in college basketball, if you get ejected for fighting, it's an automatic one-game suspension. I kind of like that, right? Like, it's not up to like a committee or a rules thing. Like, if you get ejected for fighting, you're gone in game. Simple, cut and dry. You can't argue it. So, yep. look, cheap shot by Garway. Not cheap shot. Cheap shot by the Kansas State player. And obviously, Garway can't retali- retaliate in a way he did that. And you just see, like, Nate Tomlinson, one of our assistant coaches, kind of just scream no as Garway does it because, like, you knew right away. Like, there was no good coming out of that situation. Uh, oh, no. Obviously, God, no. Social media picks it up a little. And obviously, Garway, Garway's – Actions get picked up a little bit more on the, on the social media aspect of it. I thought Kim English handled it pretty well, though. Uh, grabbing, I think it was what's his last name, Ames, Ami. Yeah, I don't know yes, how to pronounce yes, that. Yeah. But yeah. I, th- I thought Kim English did a, a really good job of yeah. handling that situation, grabbing Ami so that things didn't uh, escalate further, and then calling over um, Jerome Tang to kind of get his guys. I thought uh, really astute awareness by the Providence coaching staff. I mean, it happened right in front of their eyes, but um, the reaction more so was uh, swift more than anything. Yeah. And I think, I think both coaches, I saw Jermaine Tang kind of go over to Garway as well. I thought both coaches kind of handled a situation that they probably didn't expect to see happen in a, a proper no. way. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a very physical and gritty game and yeah. uh, you know, Providence fans, uh, especially once they're well lubricated and oiled up from the tall boys, they certainly, you know, they they don't let uh, anything, they don't leave anything to the imagination when it comes to taunting and chanting and whatnot. So I'm sure the Kansas State players had 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 enough of us at that point. The physicality, the the fans, and you know, I can't say I'm surprised because there was a little scrum and at the end of the first half there with Bryce Hopkins, but um I didn't expect it to come from Garway Duel. Duel. No, I agree. 
Do you keep hearing that video that keeps popping up on my screen? What video? No, good. Okay, never mind. Good. <laughs> good. This is I'm on I'm on the box score, right? And this ad just keeps showing up and blasting in my ear. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. What do you so use? What are you using? I'm just on ESPN box score. So everyone that's oh, listening so right now, everyone that's listening right now is probably like, what the heck is this kid talking about? Well, <laughs> it's just me. So thank good it's just me. And nobody wants to hear the random Christmas ad that's getting popped up on my screen. Well, okay. it's that time of year. Yeah. Um all right, well, one more one more uh point about uh the Kansas State game, and then we'll transition here. Will McNair came out of the gates hot, yeah. and this is something I was worried about, and I said it in our last episode, and as it was happening, I was kicking myself for reverse jinxing it. He came out with something to prove, um, and then he so gloriously and egotistically posted about it on social media after the game. I just – you get got hit the brakes, dude. I mean – you had the same exact stat line as Josh Oduro. Oduro had one less rebound and played eight min- eight less minutes than you, eight fewer minutes than you. So I get it. You know, you left because you, you wanted to be the starter. And, and honestly, I don't even think he was the starter at the beginning of the season. I think Kansas State, I think he didn't start for the first two games at Kansas State. So mm-hmm. I get it, but time and place. You, you got the win, so your bragging rights are there, but you didn't necessarily destroy us. You had a hot start to the game. You turned the ball over a couple times, got your shot blocked. I think you, 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 moral victories here. Yeah, I agree, and I get what he's doing. Obviously, there's some bad blood between something in the province program, right? Obviously, miscommunication, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, Will McNair doesn't have a good relationship with the province. So I think we just chalk it up to, well, he played well. I think he did his thing. Uh, obviously uses motivation for his behalf, but it it was one of those things where you just kind of you chalk it up to just woman air doesn't like the province fries, and maybe the province fries players don't really like him. It's one of those type of things, but that's why you like basketball or sports in general because you kind of kind of get those type of things, and you always you always don't get to see it, especially in college basketball as much. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. Um, he is certainly going to move into the. Uh, Friar Faithful's list of college basketball enemies. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's get to the ad read. As always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise and in partnership with House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com to get in on the action. Toggle over to the blog tab. That's where you'll find this podcast along with some of the Providence writing pieces that I have produced for the site, as well as other writing pieces for the variety of topics covered by our talented host of writers. If you toggle over to the merchandise tab, or you can find it in the link tree on all of our socials, you will find vintage flex hoops merchandise from the formerly known podcast. I don't know before we rebranded, I don't know how to word that before we rebranded the Providence POV, that merchandise is only staying up for a limited time within the next few weeks. We're going to be taking it down and swapping the logos Black Friday is this Friday. We do not have a discount code for you. So, um, But in the spirit of holiday shopping and gift giving, if you're looking for a present for somebody who's a fan of the show, if you're looking for a present for yourself, buy some merchandise. It helps us. It helps the show. And also the Flex logo will be gone after that. If you want to wait till the Providence POV stuff, be my guest. But anyway, helps us. We appreciate it. All right. Moving on now. Providence quickly. Uh, you know, Providence had to have a short-term memory, as Ed Cooley used to say, um, in this business because 
Turnaround on Sunday, game against a pesky Georgia Bulldogs team. The Friars were without Jaden Pierre and Garway Duel in this one. Corey Floyd Jr. was tasked with running the point for the Friars in a 71-64 victory over the Georgia Bulldogs out of the SEC. Second major conference win for the Friars of the season. Peter, what are your thoughts on this game? I thought the first half we kind of came out a little sluggish, right down two at half. Second half, we were much better. We got up to six, and obviously we won by seven, right? Uh, the way Devin Cardalea made it from five to seven. Look, to seven. Look, I wouldn't say this was an A-plus performance, right? I thought you and I were texting during the duration of of the game, and we were kind of like the we're not, flow was not great. The shooting from three is not great. It was kind of one of those grinded out games. Uh, our defense is great, right? I think we've come through five games, being four and one through five games. I think we've come to terms with that. This team is going to be a good defensive team. Well, obviously there's going to be games where you face the Marquettes of the world, the Creightons of the world, where you're going to have to score because they're going to score. But right. for the most part, your defense is going to keep you in every game, which is a great sign as the offense hopefully kind of comes along. I I would maybe chalk this up to not having a point guard, right? I thought Corey Floyd was fine. I thought Devin Carter was fine running the point. But they are not point guards. You can say they played the point guard, but they're not point guards. Corey Floyd Jr. is kind of a positionless guard. So was Devin Carter. They're both kind of positionless guards. Right. So we didn't have a point guard. And we just didn't have a point guard. Um, you could tell the offensive flow was kind of stalled out a little, right? Like it was a lot of one-on-ones. It wasn't. It wasn't the cleanest offensive performance. They did shoot better from the field. 46% from the field is much better. A little bit better from three at 26%. Still seven for 26. Free throws, 12 for 14, 85%. Love that. To see. So make up for the free throws uh, from the three-point struggles. I thought overall it was a solid performance. I thought Bryce Hopkins got better as the game went on. His shot's still not there. It's not there yet. But I thought... He started to figure out, you know what? I can get to the hoop and finish around the hoop, which is what you and I have been saying he should do more consistently and then work on the outside game. He kind of in that second half got to like, you know what? I can get to the lane. I can make some layups. I can get fouled, get some easy buckets, easy points. He did that. So I like the progress from Bryce Hopkins. Uh, But overall, I think it was an up and down performance. It doesn't matter when you win by seven, though. Yeah, totally agree. I think sometimes when uh, a player is in a little bit of a slump, you just need to see the ball go through the through the hoop. And I think that's what happened with Bryce Hopkins. Again, shaky start. Uh, his field goal percentage was much better, 5 of 11. Uh, you know, big zeros from deep, but he only took two shots, so nothing really to harp on there. Five turnovers, not great. Makes up for it with 15 points and nine rebounds. So, again, he came back on this game, and we really needed him to. Oduro, Carter, Floyd also filled the void of uh, Jaden Pierre. And I like what you said, Peter, about uh, Carter and Floyd kind of spitting the, splitting the point guard responsibilities, right? They're known to be positionless two-way guards, right? You could put Floyd at two, Carter at the three, vice versa. They're not really known for their handles or their ability to see the floor like a Jaden Pierre or like a Garway duel. Um with that said, I think they did a fine job covering the point guard spot, uh, sharing the load, if you will. Um, they did what they needed to do. Um, and I think most importantly, they picked up the slack in scoring um, 
that was uh, vacant from Jaden Pierre. Uh, Carter had 19. Floyd had a season high 11 uh, to go along with Oduro's 19 and Hopkins 15. So th- this was a game really that exposed the depth of this team. Providence only played seven guys, but really exposed the depth in terms of Corey Floyd, who was a, an off the bench player starting at point guard and scoring and holding a lot of that responsibility on his shoulders. Plus Rich Barron off the bench, getting more minutes than he's used to. He drained a three and Raphael Castro, who I thought had some major contributions down the stretch. This was a depth game, uh, which is a weird, you know, dichotomy or it's a little ironic because they only played seven guys, but it was a depth game nonetheless. Yeah. I thought Adoro was great. 19 points. Nine rebounds. He's starting to really come into his own. He's not a super athletic guy, right? Like he's not going to beat you with his athleticism or spin move or anything like that. He's just the definition of fundamentals. He'll get you. He'll get the ball. He'll back you down, and he'll kind of flick it up with his right hand. And then obviously he can kind of stretch the four a little two for two from three. He won't force a three, but if he's open, he'll take it. And he's been a pretty good three point shooter. I thought Adora was the MVP of the game. I know Devin Carter had a double double, but he also Devin Card also took 12 threes and made three of them. So we're going, <laughs> we're going back to the three. Are we ever gonna have an episode where we talk about like incredible three-point shooting? Maybe, and we score 150 points because it feels like we would if we shot the ball well from three. But he was three for 12 from three. I don't love that from Devin Card. <laughs> I don't. I look, I don't I don't mind the, look, you're gonna go into slump shooting, right? You're gonna not we saw we've seen it from Hopkins this year, right? Like it's gonna happen from good players. There is no way or no world where Devin Carter should be taking 12 threes. I'm sorry, right? Like, that shouldn't be happening. I get it. We want to shoot threes. Devin Carter is good when he gets into the lane and has that little floater. He has athleticism. It's crazy. I saw one of the layups on a breakaway. He kind of just elevated. It's incredible to see. What? There's no world where Devin Carter should be taking 12 threes. That I don't know. Double. <laughs> That's way too many. You should be taking six. Well, that's a lot. I didn't even remember. <laughs> I don't know if the microphone was picking me up laughing it during was. that. <laughs> but just, Peter, the way you dropped that, Devin Carter had 19 points, but he also took 12 threes. Why? Wait, that's a crazy stat line. I didn't, I didn't even remember him taking 12 threes. That is the most Marcus Howard uh, throwback yeah. throwback. Tuesday by the time everybody's listening to this throw but this is that is the most Marcus Howard stat line I've, I've ever seen from a Providence player he took 12 threes oh my god I mean again <laughs> live by and the three fine. die by the three he played fine double double I thought he was good defensively no he had a great game but like the 12 threes is it's 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 much it's a little much because <laughs> you're gonna but you're gonna in all seriousness you're gonna get into a game where like you're going to lose because of that, right? It's going to happen because you just took – and look, we're going to talk about this every week, Joe. We're taking a ton of threes. We're going to have to deal with it. You and I have not fully, I guess, grasped. No, we have not. <laughs> I don't think we will for a while because if you're shooting seven for 26, you're still not like where you want to be. It's just this three for 12, is a, it's a funny stat line. Well, you know what, Peter? We're coming from an age of Friar basketball with back screens, down screens, yeah. you know, guys sprinting the baseline to with little looks, little bunny looks at the cup to now guys are just yanking threes seven seconds into the shot clock. It's I mean, 
Uh, so it, it's I'm sure we're not the only ones that feel this way. Um, and if you agree with us, please <laughs> reply on Twitter, shoot us a DM, let us know so that we don't think we're crazy. But it's an adjustment. Um, nevertheless, I think what you said is spot on. Uh, even though he, he went three for 12 from deep, Devin Carter, uh, his fingerprints were all over this game. And, you know, right now, I think it's safe to say his his fingerprints are all over the season, right? He leads the he leads the team in scoring with 17 points per game. He's shooting 46% from the field and 32% from deep, right? He is he's taking the team on his back right now, and we need him to do that while Hopkins is figuring his shit out. Um, I don't even care. I'm just going to freely curse on this now. Um, while Hopkins is figuring it out, we needed someone to step up, and it's Devin Carter. I think this is also just the natural step up for Devin Carter. Again, something I wrote about in my preseason article for House Enterprises that we needed Devin Carter to step up with Noah Locke and Jared Bynum and Ed Croswell leaving the roster because with those guys gone and a lot of uncertainty with the new guys in, Devin Carter was the only returner that we could count on for consistent scoring. Now, enter Josh Oduro, who, like you mentioned, Peter, had just a monster of a game. 19 points, 9 rebounds, 2 for 2 from deep, 6 of 8 from the floor overall, 5 of 6 from the free throw line, 33 minutes played. He is really, really, really good. And and I think you texted me point blank. Oduro is good during the game. Um, (laughs) His footwork is phenomenal. He is just... He is so old old school basketball that I think the new the the new wave bigs are having difficulty guarding him. It's just like pivot foot, like pivot, pivot up. Oh, I have a little quick little step here and Simple a layup. Stuff. Simple stuff and it's effective. Yeah. It, it really, really good. I, I am very, very happy with the way that Oduro's been playing. And I think you said this after the Wisconsin game, and I'll say it again. His performance over the span of one week versus Wisconsin versus Kansas State versus Georgia makes me feel a little more comfortable going into conference play because the stable of bigs in the Big East, and we're gonna be we're gonna sound like a broken record here. The stable of bigs in the Big East this season is a gauntlet. They are beasts. There are some nationally recognized big men or nationally highlighted, emphasized, whatever you want to say. There are really good centers and power forwards in the Big East this season. And if Josh Oduro's early season plays any indicator of how he's going to keep up, I think he's going to have an Ed Croswell-like season from last year where he is severely slept on but competes and outplays the best of them. Yeah, and he's going to be – very important. We talked about. We've talked about, and we're gonna. I'm gonna sound like a broken record again. The big play, the big man play for this team is gonna be essential. Not just in the Big East play, but rest of non-con. Um, you're gonna need it through the rest of non-conference. But I thought Adora was great. It's simple. It's fundamentals, and he's just getting the job done. Nothing fancy, but I'll take 19 points on nine rebounds, six for eight shooting, and he makes free throws. Five yeah. six. He makes free throws which is a huge threat as a big man because you go across the country in college basketball and even in the NBA, like you have centers that just don't make free throws. And then in crunch time, they become a liability because if they get fouled, they can't make free throws. If Adoro can make free throws, it just adds another element to his game and keeps him on the court down the stretch. Exactly. 
not to mention he's got soft hands, light on his feet. I just, I cannot continue. I cannot stop going on about how great Josh Oduro has been for this Friars team so far this season. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, and sticking in the paint too, like Rafael Castro gives quality minutes off the paint. It's not the stat stuffing opening night performance uh, each night, but he comes in and he provides impact, right? He's long, he's blocking shots. I think the rebounds, the, the, the long rebounds and putbacks are my favorite contribution from him. I think there was one point against Georgia. Georgia had taken the lead. Friars are down two possessions. I think it was a five-point lead uh, around seven, eight-minute mark in the second half. I could be wrong here. I don't have the play-by-play up. But Georgia had gone up five. Someone missed a shot. Castro got a long rebound and put it right back up. It's a one-possession game. I cannot tell you how important that is when Josh Oduro is on the bench and you're in a, a tight game like that against a, you know, a pesky team like Georgia. I think it's going to be a rebuilding year for Georgia. I think they have some really good players. They're well coached. It's going to be a rebuilding year nonetheless. And in a game like that where you really can't lose to a team like that, plays like that from Rafael Castro are game-winning plays. 100%. Uh, no, I agree. Look, it was one of those games you kind of had to have, but must wins a strong term at this point. We're still in November. We're not even at Thanksgiving yet. We're almost at Thanksgiving, a couple days away, but it's one Two of those days things. Away. Yeah, must wins a tough term to use at this point, but it almost felt like it just because I don't We talked to us off air. Look, I'm not projecting Georgia. You never know. They could prove both and I, you and I wrong. I don't see them as a fully tournament team. I see them probably more as a non-tournament team or NIT tournament team. So when you we're talking about a resume come March, hopefully, this might not be the game we circle. You never know. They could prove us yeah. wrong. Um, it looks like I know we're recording on Monday night at 7.52, but Wisconsin just beat uh, 24th-ranked Virginia, which is that game. That, that, that win. That could be a potential resume win. I know, obviously, we're uh, looking far ahead, but Wisconsin's a team you, you should be – everybody who's a Providence fan should be rooting for them. Uh, yep. You should also be rooting for Georgia. Look, I know they're 2-3, and three, but we're Georgia Bulldogs fans for the rest of the year, and hopefully they win the SEC. But it's one of those games I feel like you kind of had to have. You didn't want to go 0-2 in the weekend. They didn't. They went 1-1, one and, one, and they kind of rebounded from a good performance on Friday that just left kind of a sour taste in my mouth. And I felt like they kind of almost righted the ship on Sunday against Georgia into the Lehigh and the Wagner back-to-back games where those games kind of obviously favor, can't take them politely, but they favor the Friars more. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Uh, Kim English said this in his uh, post-game press conference on Sunday. He said these uh, four-team MTEs at this time of year are – you know, really important because one team comes out two and zero, two teams come out one and one, and one team goes home without a without a victory. That was the Friars last year, and they were scared. They were staring a three and two record in the face um, before they went down to TCU to eventually lose to uh, the Horn Frogs. It only took the the URI game to get back on track. So, um, you know, Providence, although f- technically finishing third. I think comes out of the weekend uh, with a sense of relief because of the one and one record. Again, it doesn't matter, you know, third place, second place. I think coming out of the weekend one and one was the most important thing. Um, obviously, you'd like to be two and zero, oh, but even if you beat Kansas State, nothing is nothing says that 
you're going to beat that Miami team. That's a top 10 Miami team. That's really, really good. Yeah. So nothing guarantees a victory there. Um, looking ahead a little bit, you know, kind of moving past the weekend here, the Friars have off the next couple of days, which is great for my blood pressure going into the holiday. Um, mm-hmm. But they're back in action on Friday against the Lehigh Mountain Hawks. Uh, they are one, two, three, four. They are sixth in the Patriot League at one and three. They have losses to Cornell, Penn State, North Carolina, and they just beat SUNY Oneyanta 90-65. But I don't even know if Oneyanta is Division One. Let's, I have no they idea. They don't I, even have a Oneonta doesn't even have an ESPN page. That's definitely not division one. But no, this that's why I kind of said the next couple games are a little more uh favorable. Yeah. Um what I'm interested to see in Friday's matchup is uh the Jaden Pierre status. I don't know. Um I think he's day to day per Kim English, but It'll be interesting to see if they try and get him some run, kind of like a bounce back game for him, or if uh, they give him the extended rest against an opponent like Lehigh. Nevertheless, uh, you know, the game is on the schedule. Friars have to come out. They have to win that game. Um, And like you said, keep rooting for Wisconsin. Keep rooting for Georgia. Um, Hell, even keep rooting for Kansas State because a three-point loss in overtime to a Kansas State team that turns out being really good in, in in a funny twisted sense of the sense of it looks good for us right we yeah. took a we took a good team to overtime to only lose by 3 so again obviously that's not the way it happened but uh sometimes the selection committee doesn't really look too in depth at the details no i agree well and obviously we'll we'll not be able to preview the lehigh game but we'll be able to recap the lehigh game next week but look i i would be shocked if Jaden pierre plays i don't know i feel like they give him maybe another week um just to kind of rest up i would say uh i would like to see when how garway plays when he comes back and how he kind of plays a full game i know he did against kansas state but a little more prep uh than just being uh, yeah thrusted into the lineup five minutes into the game as a starting point guard for the next 45 minutes or whatever it was. I mean, I see a little a week of preparation kind of work on his game kind of into a matchup to see how he flows as the starting point guard. Yeah. So the backcourt, I think just in general, uh, something to monitor uh, for Friday. Um, oh, I closed out already. I was going to give you the, the, the time and broadcast for that one. Uh, side note, can you hear my dog Pip in the background? Just a bit, but you know what? Enjoying the show. Yeah, he, he is ringing the potty bell that we have on the door, and he is whining, and now he's barking at me. <laughs> he wants you to wrap up and take him out, man. Come on. I know. <laughs> um, all right. Doesn't say the broadcast information, but anyway, the Friars will host the Lehigh, the Mountain Hawks from Lehigh Friday, Black Friday at 7 p.m., uh, that game is at home. Garway duel, Jaden Pierre, obviously a storyline to monitor. But anyway, uh, Peter, any closing thoughts from you? Well, overall, I started with saying it was a solid weekend. I'll end with a solid weekend. You went one and one, lost a tough one against Kansas State, game you probably could have had. Uh, but you can say the same thing for Kansas State. And then I think they took care of business against Georgia. Wasn't always pretty on Sunday against Georgia, especially offensively. But I think we've come to terms that this Friars team 
is a very good defensive team, and that will definitely help calm Big East play. Absolutely. All right. Over the next couple of days, spend some time with your loved ones. Be grateful that we don't have to worry about a Providence win or loss going into the holiday. Be grateful that our head coach doesn't uh, give condescending life lessons to the members of the media in the press room. Um, we're thankful for our loyal listeners. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.